Hi everyone, and welcome to the 130th episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host Brandon, and today we're going to do a full summary of Kingdom Hearts back cover. For you new folks, Kingdom Hearts Union is part of the podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union, and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. We release every Tuesday, rotating each week with Final Fantasy Union, and we come out on the iTunes Store, KingdomHeartsUnion.com, and Kingdom Hearts Ultimania's Twitter, which is at KHUltimania. We have a two-segment show today. We have, first, our Kingdom Hearts back cover summary, and, finally, a question segment, where we answer questions from you guys. In the way of announcements, as always, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ffkhunion. Just pledge a dollar and get access to a special podcast called Please Be Excited. Our Patreon executive producers for this episode are as follows. We've got Barry Norton, who is at Nortron Zero. Blue Machine, who is at Blue Machine, Christian Burge, Joe Tremonti, who is at JC Tremonti, Louis James, Satria Jaja Zudarma, who is at Satria 625 Rubin, Chris Morales, Brian McArdle, who is at DarthBrain92, Eric Decker, who is at Chaco Taco, Harley Crawley, who is at DarkZT Okami, Jonathan Gonzalez, who is at Oh It's Just Johnny, Josh McNabb, who is at J2K9, Marcus Karnecki, Michael Graham, Thorn Bullen, who is at Massacre23, Tyson Wildman, who is at Ty Wildman1, William Trangrove, who is at Varnish the Azure, Zach Duranto, who is at ZDuranto58, Billy Jackson, who is at underscore Billy Jackson, Darren Matthews, who is at Doomster73, John McRae, Joseph Robertson, who is at Pokemon Trainer J, Keith Field, who is at The Mighty Keith, Mario Herker, Mike, Mike Shirley Donnelly, at Cur- who is at Curious Quail, Muhammad Quam, Nico Gonzalez, who is at Nick underscore Knack 95, Rachel Casserton, who is at Orba Yoon Ray, Richard Holman, who is at Vex Lennon, Winkle the Bernie Bro, who is at the underscore Bernie underscore Bro, Vita Nitas, who is at V underscore Tron 5000, Zach Porter, who is at Porter Paradox, and Zelda Clone, who is at Apes Type Novels. Be a part of the show. Send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com so we can answer your questions just like the people that will be featured in this episode. So now, let's move on to our Kingdom Hearts back cover summary. So this summary is going to be a little bit different from our Kingdom Hearts key summary. Uh, As far as I was intending for the key summary to work... Uh, our key summary could actually be used to replace Kingdom Hearts key, as in like you don't need to necessarily play the game, you can just listen to the summary and that could be sufficient. It could also be used as a companion piece, but uh, the way it's laid out, it's designed to sort of replace the storyline of that, so you could either move on if you don't want to like dive into that like, you know, in, in the actual game or uh, through YouTube uh, you know, endless amounts of YouTube cutscenes of uh, th- that game. So that, that can be used as a replacement. This one cannot be. Uh, this one is designed for people who have already seen back cover, which I'm assuming is a lot of people because back cover is pretty accessible. You know, it's just a movie. It's not that long. Uh, so this is targeted mostly at people who have seen it and maybe want to uh, better understand it or uh, people who... Uh, or people who saw it a while ago and want to get a refresher. 
So, here we go with our summary. So, for this game, the setting is, you know, just the same as Kingdom Hearts Key. It takes place in the distant past in an era known as the time of fairy tales. Uh, you know, the world is the same vast conglomerations of many worlds in one world, but it all takes place in Daybreak Town. Alright, so as for characters, we've got Chirithi, who is, as we said before in the last episode, an adorable cat familiar that is possessed by all Keyblade wielders. They all have their own Chirithi, kind of like, you know, with Pokemon, you know, Ash's got a Pikachu, and then there's like some other guy, I think, was his name Todd? I forget. He's got a Pikachu too. Like, there's many Pikachus that exist in the world of Pokemon. It's not, it's not just one Pikachu. It's a species of animal. Uh, so, Chirithi, not exactly a species of animal, but uh, many, you know, there are many, many, many Chirithis. There are as many Chirithis as there are players, at least in the beginning of, uh, of Kingdom Hearts Key. So, uh, it is... Uh, revealed actually quite early in the in the movie of back cover that Chirithis are called spirits. Uh, I don't believe they ever call them dream eaters by name, but they are indeed called spirits. Like the master of master straight up says, "This is a spirit." Point blank. There you go. So the identity of what Chirithi is is revealed immediately. So that's cool. Uh, so moving on. Uh, speaking of the Master of Masters, the Master of Masters leads the Foretellers prior to disappearing from the world for no discernible reason. Prior to leaving, the Master of Masters gave each of his disciples a role for what they should do after the Master is gone. So first we've got Master Ira, the leader of the Union Unicornus. His role was to lead the Foretellers in the Master's stead. So he's basically taking over you know, the leadership position that the Master of Master had before. Master Ased is the leader of the Union Ursus, and his role was to be second in command under Ira. In the event that Ira wavers, Ased has the authority to take command from Ira. So you can already see some built-in tension, and it kind of makes you think like, what what was the master of masters thinking when he was giving them these roles and is the master of masters you know more sinister than he appears i mean it they really don't hide like how sinister the master of masters probably is like they're pretty heavy-handed with hinting that you know he's very nonchalant about things and he doesn't really care about the state of the world and he seems kind of not so good <laughs> So this is definitely uh, another point of evidence, you know, taking the most uh, explosive personality in the, uh, you know, in the group of his disciples and making him the number two guy and just like making him furious that he's number two to this stuck up Master Ira, leader of Unicornus. So interesting nonetheless. So moving on, we've got Master Envy, who is the leader of the Union Anguis. Her role is to watch the other foretellers, and you'll see in the movie that, or you have seen in the movie, that uh, Envy watches and keeps it keeps track of what the other foretellers are doing it are doing at any moment, and relays that to Master Ira. Which again, <laughs> Master of Masters building in spies. 
into the group. Basically saying, you gotta spy on your friends and tattle to the lead, the guy I put in charge. Yep, that's that sounds like a good idea. You know, he's not trying to create animosity. He's not stacking the deck against them to force them to hate each other. Yep, pretty much. What a great master he is. Next, we've got Master Gula, who's the leader of the Union Leopardus. His role was to discover the, who the traitor was amongst them. He was given the lost page from the Master of Masters' own book of prophecy. The page states that there is a traitor among them. Ooh. So, you kind of you, you kind of gotta wonder is like, so you're giving you're telling these people there's a traitor amongst you like everything about this setup feels like almost like a psychological game that the master of masters trying to play like almost like a psychological experiment like i don't know how many of you guys have taken like a psychology class but there are psychology experiments that were done in like the in the 70s in, in america where you know, you'd, you'd, you'd give certain people authority in a situation. Like, there's this famous, uh, you know, scientific experiment where they simulated a prison and they gave some of the uh, volunteers, uh, you know, made some of the volunteers play the role of the uh, prisoners and made some of the volunteers play the role of the jailers. And just the fact that they had, they were given this arbitrary authority it made them like more aggressive and you know start to talk down to the prisoners and you know giving them uh, police uniforms made them even more aggressive and pushy and demeaning so it kind of feels almost like that you know you've got you know, you've got this you know stuck up st- stuck up guy you give him the leader role You've got this explosive personality and who who w- clearly wants to be the leader, uh, and you make him second in command. You know, completely disgracing him, and he, he can't say anything because you're the master of masters. So, you know, his number one thing is probably loyalty to you, and you're telling him no, be loyal to that guy, Master Ira. It's like. So you're stacking the deck against Master said there, stacking the de- deck against Envy, making her a spy, basically. Stacking the, de- the deck against Master Gula, basically being the only guy to know for certain that there is someone who is a traitor within the group, and then giving the weight of suspicion to Gula. So it's like, and giving him the weight of discovering who the traitor is and stopping them. So all these all these crazy things that he's just stacking against them. So next is uh, Master Ava, who's the leader of the Union Vulpus. Her role was to create a group of Keyblade wielders that would flee this world prior to the Keyblade War. These Keyblade wielders who do escape prior to the Keyblade War will live on in an, in another world and recreate the lost world. So it's basically like in Kyrie's grandmother's story where. Oh, the light lived on in the hearts of children, and they rebuilt the Lost World. That's these guys. And uh, they're the uh, main characters of Season 2, which I'm sure a lot of you uh, are you know, coming to know about. And finally, we've got Lushu. Lushu is the last disciple who, in fact, isn't one of the foretellers and is not a master of any union. He's, this, he's just 
this other outsider guy that he wears a black hood. We don't know what he looks like at all. Like at least with the with the other foretellers, I mean their their identities are mostly concealed, but we do at least see some of their face in their costumes, and they at least do have distinctive costumes. Whereas with Lushu, uh, there you got really nothing to go on. He's wearing a black hood. He's wearing a black coat, just like the Master of Masters. So, so yeah, clearly they're in a different situation from the Union leaders. So Lushu is the only uh, the only disciple that has no union or a book of prophecy, which is why he's not called a foreteller. Uh, his role is to watch all the events that will transpire with the Keyblade, known as No Name, in hand. So what that means is, so his deal is he's not supposed to interfere with anything that goes on. He's just supposed to sit there and wait. And watch what happens and hold a keyblade that's called No Name. Now, No Name is the same keyblade that we see Master Xehanort wield in Birth by Sleep. Uh, it's that one that's got all this crazy design. It's got the uh, iconography of like a like a goat, and it's got a big blue like snake like eye right in the top of it. Now, Master, the Master of Masters basically says, that's my eye. It's going to allow me to see the future. So that's basically his way of saying, uh, so this is my, uh, this is my uh, camera. I want you to go and live your life into the future and watch as much as you can. And then before you die, make sure to pass on this keyblade and make sure you're uh, your successor does the same thing and just keep going and going and going until the world ends. And he basically says that this is how the book of prophecies gets created is that he's got a vision in, he's got vision into the future because he's carrying this keyblade through time, you know, not like time traveling, but like time traveling in the way that we time travel, sitting and waiting. <laughs> You know, progressing to the future at the speed of one second per second. <laughs> Nothing special. So he's got to live his life into the future. And while he's going on and living his life into the future, uh, the Master of Masters is watching it all. And uh, it, it's not clear that how the Book of Prophecies is created, if it's if it's anything like... Like if the Book of Prophecies is some sort of supernatural book that's supernaturally created... Or if the Master of Masters is literally got a big, big old TV, got some popcorn, and he's just watching what the future happens, and then he's writing it down in the Book of Prophecies. It's not elaborated on if, you know, is the Master of Masters by hand writing the Book of Prophecies based on what he's seeing? Or is the Book of Prophecies, you know, uh, supernaturally manifested from these visions that are brought from the future by means of this no-name Keyblade. Which, by the way, that's the name. It's called No Name. Like, capital N-O, or capital N-O, space, capital N-A-M-E. No Name. That's the name of the Keyblade. I'm sure we'll probably fight some guy <laughs> who whose name is like no name with an anagram and there's an X somewhere in there. You know, we, we know Kingdom Hearts. Anytime there's a weird, a weird name, that's probably what's going to happen. You know, we had another, which is uh, Zehanort, 
with an X that that, that turns into another uh, or no heart. That's a, that's another anagram of that. So we'll see, I guess. So yeah, so that's 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 no name, but that's not the only thing the Master of Masters gives Lu Shu. No, no, like Master of Masters, he's like, look, I ain't giving you the book because you, I mean, you got to make the book by you know using this Keyblade, but I'll give you this Keyblade and I'll give you a cool box. It's black and leathery, but don't open it, never. So that's basically, uh, that's basically. The entirety of Lucius' role. Uh, he's got to go through time, living his life, watching cool things that happen in the Kingdom Hearts universe, and uh, lug around a big, heavy suitcase. Uh, now, this big, heavy suitcase, it's got this uh, really interesting red emblem on top, and it appears to read X, like as in like the cross, the key symbol that we see associated with kingdom hearts key so that that cross symbol x and then it seems like it says super x super or key super what does that mean is that some weird english that we can't understand as americans probably but we don't know yet uh and i can't really confirm that that's really what it says because, you know, it, the the quality of the video and the quality of the shot that we get in uh, in back cover, it's not cl- quite clear what it says. And I'll, I, obviously, that's probably on purpose. Like, it's intentionally left obscure. Everything about that box is obscure. So, yeah. So that pretty much covers the character summary, uh, which is why, hey, by the way, uh, the reason why we put the character summary first is because I assume that you've already watched this movie, so none of this is uh, spoilers or continuity breaking. And I want to take all this information that we already uh, have seen in the movie and taking that, knowing that, let's go through the actual plot of the movie. So now comes the actual plot summary. So uh, the plot really breaks down into two different sections, uh, but they're sort of interleaved, meaning these scenes happen out of sequence so uh there's one section of scenes that happens uh prior to the master of masters disappearance and then the core of the plot happens post disappearance the way the movie is structured is that you know you're getting scenes of the master of masters you're getting scenes of you know the foretellers in the quote-unquote present time after the master of masters disappears, and them trying to figure out what life is like now that the master of masters is gone. So, and they're constantly going back and forth, back and forth. You know, talking about like, you know, let's see what's going on. You know, after master of masters is gone, and then let's go back in time to when the master of masters gives the role to this particular foreteller. So they're constantly going back and back back and forth for dramatic effect. But this summary is not for any dramatic effect. It's for understanding. So uh, pre-disappearance stuff, this is what happens. So the Master of Masters bestows upon each of the Master, each of the uh, foretellers a copy of the Book of Prophecies. In the book, all future events are foretold, including a terrible battle, which will... De- 
which will result in this world's destruction. The Master of Masters says that he might disappear soon, so he gives each of his disciples a unique role to carry out, and soon afterwards, the Master of Masters vanishes. Uh, oh, and by the way, he also men- he also introduces them to Chirithi. That that is a, a minor thing that they show in the movie. But yeah, so basically, uh, Master of Masters hands out books of prophecies, says, "Hey, you got to set up uh, Keyblade unions. D- do that. Be be separate entities. And hey, I'm gonna give you all roles. Which again, just as a quick review, Master Ira is the leader. Ased is the second in command." Envy is the spy who is uh, set to look over all the uh, all the other foretellers and report to Master Ira to make sure he knows what's going on. You got Master Gula who's given the lost page and is told to find the traitor amongst them, and Master Ava whose job is oh Master Ava whose job is to uh, gather up a group of Keyblade wielders who will leave this world. Uh, and avoid the calamity, which is the Keyblade War, that which will uh, which will inevitably destroy uh, the world and does. Uh, and Lushu, whose job is to sit and watch and go into the future, just living his life, watching stuff go down, holding out that Keyblade called No Name, as No Name watches everything that transpires, and uh, yeah, as a result of that, creating. The Book of Prophecies. Also, he's got to look around a big old uh, suitcase that might, may or may not have a sigil that says X Super on it, or Key Super. I don't know. Whatever. So, moving on to the post-disappearance. Now, this is going to carry on mostly chronologically, and uh, yeah, this is really the bulk of the, the main plot of Back Cover. So, one day, uh, Master Ira discovers a dark Chirithi. It is determined that the existence of this dark, dark Chirithi means that someone has submitted to the darkness. Now, I'm also going to assume that you've kept an eye out on the last podcast and, and actually listened to that, uh, which summarizes Kingdom Hearts Key back cover. I'm about to drop Kingdom or uh, covers Kingdom Hearts Key. I'm about to drop Kingdom Hearts Key spoilers starting now. So. Uh, in Kingdom Hearts Key, it's actually determined that Dark Chirithis are not necessarily created by people who are intentionally uh, pursuing darkness. They are created by the people who uh, uh, actually wear the bangles that are uh, apparently uh, absorbing darkness from Heartless in the form of something called guilt. And this guilt is uh, ends up creating a dark chirithi which is a nightmare form you know a nightmare uh dream eater so a nightmare chirithi is created um so far we've only seen one and that was in kingdom hearts key and uh that was the player's chirithi that uh is a dark chirithi uh so far that's the only one we've seen it's not clear if the one that ira finds is the same dark chirithi but yeah apparently all the Keyblade wielders have these bangles on, so apparently it could be anybody. Uh, who gave them the bangles? Uh, well, at least in the case of, uh, yeah, in the case of the player in Kingdom Hearts Key, it was Chirithi who gave it to them. So maybe Chirithi is evil. And who created Chirithi? Oh, it's the Master of Masters. Is the Master of the Master? Is the Master of Masters the traitor? 
or is there no traitor and everything is just a big old uh, psychological science experiment? That's where I'm leaning. Moving on. So uh, after this, Ased has this big impassioned outburst at Master Ira. How dare you accuse one of us? What, something like that. And yeah, he's, he's really uh, offended by these accusations. So uh, because of this big, massive outburst that is apparently, you know, surprising, like it seems like Master Ased is always like this, but I don't know. Somehow uh, the other foretellers seem, see this as being suspicious and wonder, hey, maybe Ased is the traitor. Maybe Ased is a tra- is a traitor. Uh, yeah, it, it it seems like they're not sure if there's a traitor amongst them or if it's just someone within one of their unions. So it, that's pretty unclear. But uh, we do later find out through Gula that he's got that lost page that says for certain. Well, at least for certain, as far as this book of prophecies is concerned, if the, if it's trustworthy or not. It says that there is a traitor amongst you. And, you know, he's got to find who the traitor is. So according to that, you know, if we're, if we're going to go down the path that, yes, the Book of Prophecies is completely uh, factual and it should be trusted, then, yes, there is a traitor amongst them within the foretellers and it's not just somebody in their union that went evil. So after the fact... Uh, Ased convinces Gula to form an alliance with him because basically Ased feels threatened and he thinks, you know, Master Ira is not taking, you know, proper precautions or taking proper action in this situation. So he decides we should form an alliance. And then, you know, the Master of Masters said they shouldn't do that. They should be acting separately. You know, that's why they made unions in the first place. Uh, but uh, basically, so they do apparently form this alliance but then later envy basically interferes and says gula you know that's probably a bad idea and the gula's like yeah you're you're probably right and then uh so gula says you know what i said i'm sorry but i'm breaking up with you (laughs) and 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 they do and i said is like pissed and somehow i guess gula lets it slip that it was envy who uh who convinced gula to not like uh keep it going and then Ased gets pissed and goes after Envy, suspecting that she's a traitor and that she's, you know, she's the spy and she's like spying on them and reporting back to uh, Master Ira and trying to create animosity between all, all of these people. So uh, they end up fighting. So Ased and Envy start fighting. And uh, something interesting is that not only do you see this transpire in back cover, but this does happen actually in the game of uh, in actual Kingdom Hearts Key and Unchained Key slash, I guess, Union Cross now. Because now that whole game is called Union Cross. It's so confusing. Anyway. So, yeah. Uh, Master Envy, Master Ossed, they get fighting. It's super cool. Very action-y. There's wall running. Very Matrix. I love it. Uh, but eventually, uh, Gula and Ava are able to stop them from fighting. Uh, and uh, it's later revealed that Gula possesses uh, the lost page from the Book of Prophecies. This page... (sighs) 
So later, uh, so in the story, it's finally revealed to the viewer that Gula possesses the lost page, and this is where his like uh, plot starts, and it shows that he's like trying to find who the traitor is, and according to Gula's own deductions, uh, he assumes that if someone is wavering from their role, that must mean that they're the traitor. Now, this is something that Gula sort of posits, and then the Master of Masters is like, well, yeah, I guess I was going to say that. So he doesn't say one way or another if that's the right uh, interpretation of what the Lost Page is trying to tell him. But uh, he sort of allows Gula to believe this, whether or not it's true. Again, Master of Masters is clearly doesn't care about these people. Uh, he's obviously the mastermind behind everything and uh he just wants to sort of put them into terrible social social situations that will force them to fight uh, he he is not on he is not on the side of the foretellers whatsoever he is here to set them up to fail so that's the, i guess that's the whole point it's not shielded at all uh so yeah uh, so according to Gula's deductions, anyone who wavers from their role must be a traitor. And based on this situation where, you know, a said is like fighting other members and all this, he assumes that it must be a said who's the traitor. So Gula pursues him and confronts him about this and wants to fight him. And then Gula sort of lets it slip that, oops, I got the lost page. And that's why I know about there being a traitor. And then I said, is like, what? You've got the lost page. That means you're the traitor because that's what I think that, you know, if somebody's got the lost page, that means they have extra information. That means that they're acting against their fellow members. That means you're the traitor. So then, uh, they fight and Gula, uh, being like two feet tall and Ased being this big old bear monster, uh, Ased handily takes care of him. So, yep. Uh, so Gula's completely knocked down uh, and actually seems like he's uh, close to dying. Uh, so Ava actually comes in to ha- have to rescue him and you know, like even has to like provide medical attention to him. Uh, it- it's-, it's pretty... Uh, it's pretty serious. Uh, so, yeah, later, uh, Ased, injured, is walking around town, is confronted by Master Ira, who, you know, sort of gives him crap for all the way he's been acting recently. Uh, they, they're able to set things aside and, like, look, I'm just trying to do what's good for the Union. And they're like, all right, man. And then Ased's like, look, dude, you're the, you're the leader. I just want you to know... Gula's got the lost page, by the way. So that that's pretty shady, don't you think? And then Ira's like, yeah, that's pretty shady. So I'm going to go check that out. So Ira goes to see if he can find Gula, to see if he can at least see the lost page and read it himself. You know, he, it doesn't seem like Ira is going there with the intent of harming Gula. He just wants to see the lost page to see what's on it. Uh, and, but... When uh, he finds Ava and Gula, uh, Ava basically just sends him away because Gula's not in a good state right now. Uh, it's not the time to be dealing with something so heavy, uh, especially you know considering how tense things are getting. 
between all the keyblade wielders that you know he, clearly he would not be ready for a fight uh if if the if that happened so uh so yeah after that uh gula reveals to ava that uh he's sort of at his wits end and he wants to summon kingdom hearts and his intention is that if he summons Kingdom Hearts, then it might lure the Master of Masters to return to Daybreak Town and potentially help them stop all this conflict. Because basically, the one thing they're missing is, you know, a powerful leader who can break the logjam, which is all of their own egos. But, like, clearly that is not going to work because the master of masters put them in this situation it was so intentional everything about this is so obviously intentional that the master of masters is trying to screw with these guys so obviously that wouldn't work but the idea is that the master of masters is the only one with the authority to stop us from killing each other because we all blindly follow his leadership and he set us up to kill each other so yeah in no uncertain terms master masters is evil that would never work uh master ava also says you shouldn't do that and he doesn't uh or at at least we don't know that he does We, we don't know if he ends up doing that in the keyblade war um but there is evidence that king kingdom hearts does get summoned at some point at the end of the keyboard war, but we're not sure if Gula does it, but he might, because he said he would. Anyway, moving on. So, realizing that with all this rising tension between all the unions, particularly the union leaders, uh, Ava realizes that war is inevitable. So, she acts in accordance with her role and begins to gather uh, Keyblade wielders and uh, instructs them to escape and leave this world. And she calls this group the Dandelions. We talked a lot about them in uh, in the last podcast, if you want to know more about that whole situation. Uh, and uh, yeah, basically Kingdom Hearts Key and like the Union Cross games, they really, really get into talking about uh, Master Ava. Like her, her, sto- her storyline really is... Uh, one of the bigger storylines in Kingdom Hearts Key, whereas a lot of these other foretellers, they appear in the storyline, but they're really not important at all. Uh, even Master Ira, who's uh, you know apparently supposed to be a pretty big deal, like uh, in the main storyline, the only like really important scene that he appears in, uh, it's really just Ava disguised as him somehow with magic, I guess. So yeah, it's really Ava that's the big deal. So if you want to know more about the Dandelions. Uh, we talk about more in the previous podcast because it's more relevant to the uh, Kingdom Hearts Key main storyline. Uh, so that that basically wraps up the main thrust of the plot. They they don't really show much more beyond that in the movie uh, as far as the, the foretellers are concerned. But meanwhile, in the barren wasteland called Badlands, which was... Uh, known as the Keyblade Graveyard now in the modern Kingdom Hearts timeline. Uh, but this is before <laughs> this is before a bunch of people die with Keyblades. So it's not really called Keyblade Graveyard yet. It's really just like a deserted wasteland. So uh, so Lushu uh, is walking, 
walking down the way in the middle of nowhere to go into where the battle is going to take place. He's got his no-name keyblade in hand and his mysterious box, which apparently may or may not have the word written on it, X or cross super. So, uh, yeah, so he's walking around and his final words in the movie are, may my heart be my guiding key, which is the basically the master of master's own uh, like motto, basically, which who knows what that is. Is this like one of those like Bioshock mnemonic uh, mind control things like, would you kindly blankety blank? Like if, if you played Bioshock. Like the original Bioshock, you know what I mean. Is that what that means? Is that what may my heart be my guiding key be? Be my guiding key mean? Is that is that what it is? Is it a mind control mnemonic? Who knows? Conspiracy conspiracy theorists draft your tweets about what you think this is all about. So yeah, that's pretty much the main plot of Bat Cover. Uh, I'm hoping to finally get. <laughs> Churro and Sabrina on the next show so we can actually do some uh, proper analysis. I know Sabrina hasn't really kept up with the story, so uh, I'm going to see if we can get her to get caught up. Maybe she can listen to less, less podcasts. That'll get her caught up. Um, so, yeah, then we can uh, uh, actually do some proper analysis because I, I got to let loose a little bit in this episode because it's a little bit more of an analysis-type episode. Uh, rather than last episode, which was more just summary-based, because I'm assuming most people haven't, you know, gone through the whole story of Kingdom Hearts Key yet. Uh, but yeah, next episode, my intention is to do, like, like more hardcore analysis, uh, specifically of Kingdom Hearts Key Season 1 stuff. So yeah, I hope you guys are interested in that. So now, moving on to the questions. Our first question comes from Jonathan Gonzalez, and Jonathan asks, have you guys heard of any newcomers to the franchise having that much trouble with uh with finding their way around the first half of the game? I guess they I guess he means uh Kingdom Hearts 1. Um I've heard a lot of people complaining about the jankiness of Kingdom Hearts 1, specifically with regards to things like platforming or just uh, the battle mechanics not being so refined, obviously the camera, which admittedly does get fixed in 1.5, but uh, I do remember specifically there there was a you know a game reviewer Adam Sessler who uh, for whatever reason a long time ago he praised Kingdom Hearts like when Kingdom Hearts first came out he was actually praising it like they actually uh, reviewed Kingdom Hearts quite well on their show uh, X Play. Uh, but uh, in in later years, he started to resent Kingdom Hearts, and uh, there was a a stream he did at some point where, like, I don't know, th- there might have been like donate d- donations involved, basically saying, "Hey, wouldn't it be funny if you played Kingdom Hearts live on stream?" And I definitely watched him struggle with the whole Destiny Island segment, and it, it does make me wonder, like. If I went into Kingdom Hearts 1 fresh now, would I have trouble like getting through that segment? Because I remember when I was a kid, you know, playing through that, I I had a guide to sort of like guide me in the direction of where to get all the things. And I, I'm guessing they, you know, maybe they don't really quite explain some of what you need to gather, how to get it, you know. 
like I think a good example of that might be uh, so, so in, in the beginning of the game, you know, you're tasked with collecting items uh, that, that will be good on your trip. So these are basically like, you know, survival items. So one of the things you need to get is fresh water. Like it's not really too clear where or how you're supposed to collect the fresh water. But, you know, if you take some time and actually think about what you're supposed to do. So you're on an island, obviously, you know, you're surrounded on an island, surrounded by water, just like Anson would say. Uh, and, you know, obviously it's ocean water. Can't drink that. That's not fresh water. But there are waterfalls. There's actually two waterfalls that you can uh, collect the fresh water from. Uh, so, like, you know, if you think about it, like, it's not unreasonable that, like, eventually you'll stumble on it. Or maybe you'll just f- accidentally fall into the, the puddle and, like, walk into the waterfall. And then magically you'll get fresh water and you'll be like, oh, that's how you get it? Like, m- maybe that'll happen. But, yeah, so I, I definitely I definitely get that because, like, that's a mechanic that, you know, it's never introduced prior to that. It's never used later. You just sort of ha- kind of have to guess, like, like, you know, the correct answer, by the way, is to get the fresh water. You're supposed to find a waterfall somewhere on the map. You know, th- there's a real obvious one, you know, right at the on, on the main part of the island. But there's also a smaller one. It's a little bit out of the ways on the second area uh, in Destiny Islands. You know, either one is fine. You just need to get to one of them and you need to stand under the waterfall and then somehow your water bottle gets filled with water. So that's what needs to happen. So you, you need to walk into a waterfall. That's that's literally all you need to do. Uh, I guess it's not as handholdy as modern games are, but like, uh, and, and honestly, I don't even know if that's the thing that people get hung up on or if it's like, how do you catch the fish? Like you're supposed to, well, similarly to the waterfall thing, you got to swim up to the fish. And there, there are fish that you can see, but they're kind of really small and the swimming controls are a little unwieldy. So I think there's just, you know, a lot of things. And so you bring up like the first half of the game. If you think about the first half of the game, like it's, it's very heavy on platforming. I mean, I guess the second half of the game is too, but I, I feel like it's, you know, probably more of a thing in the, in the first half, especially since you're getting used to the controls still and the fact that they have so many platforming segments in the beginning that can be kind of daunting so you know that's that's definitely something interesting to con to consider is that m- maybe that's one of the causes is the platforming controls uh something interesting that i that i, I wanted to bring up is that so recently been diving into a new well a new series for me a game series that i had never played before and that's the Yakuza series. And uh, like so far, been having a blast. If you don't know about Yakuza, definitely, I definitely highly recommend it. Uh, you know, I don't often recommend games on this show. Uh, but, you know, if you're keeping track, my recommendations are as follows. I recommended Persona 4 Golden, which I'm sure now that a lot of you have played Persona 5, you can see why I... I I recommend that, or maybe you already played Persona 4 Golden. So, recommended that. I recommended Xenoblade Chronicles, the original Xenoblade Chronicles on the Wii. And 
I think that was it as far as my recommendations for games that you probably aren't playing that you should. So that was, uh, uh, you know, at the time, Persona 4. Obviously, Persona is a lot more popular these days. Uh, but Persona 4 and then, uh, well, specifically Persona 4 The Golden and then uh, Xenoblade Chronicles, which, by the way, is getting a sequel, which means a lot of people like it. So, <laughs> so far, my track record's been pretty good. I think Yakuza 0 is a great place to start. That's what I started playing. Uh, but yeah, uh, so speaking on that, so there is a remake of Yakuza 1, which originally was a PS2 game, and it uses the tech from Yakuza 0. And not just the tech, but, like, Yakuza 0 is actually set in, like, the same locations as Yakuza 1. So because of that, they're able to reuse a ton of assets from 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 Yakuza 0 in creating Yakuza 1, and that's why you know, it was so easy for them to do so. And I kind of wonder, like, wouldn't it be cool if they remade Kingdom Hearts 1? Like, I know, it's like kind of, it seems like a big ask, but if you think about it, like, like they've got they've got the Kingdom Hearts 3 engine set up, and they've got, you know, I'm sure they've recreated several assets that could go right into a Kingdom Hearts 1 remake. Like, you know, for example, Kingdom Hearts 2.8, hey, they've got, they've got, Destiny Islands, <laughs> they already built that, so like there's definitely like some precedent there, and uh, something interesting that Yakuza Zero does, and, and the other reason why I'm bringing it up with relation to this question is that Yakuza Zero make or Yakuza, so, so the remake of Yakuza One, which is called Yakuza Kiwami, Yakuza Kiwami makes no efforts to remake the gameplay of Yakuza One at all. It, it it just it straight up whole hog takes the gameplay from Yakuza Zero, and just uses the story of Yakuza One. So that sort of makes me think is like so if they took Kingdom Hearts Three as a basis, kept the gameplay, kept the controls. I mean, obviously they they would probably have to simplify it to make it work for Kingdom Hearts. But if if you sort of like look at you know for example Kingdom Hearts Two Point Eight. Aqua's controls aren't that detailed. You know, if you strip back some of the, uh, you know, more crazy, floatier, jumpy mechanics uh, from that and just have the nice jumps that you get in there, you know, the nice camera, nice uh, battle system, like, if you take those elements from Kingdom Hearts 2.8 or Kingdom Hearts 3 and you use that in creating an updated version of kingdom hearts one like like would that would that be something more palatable because like we're hearing more and more about king kingdom hearts one being inaccessible specifically kingdom hearts one you don't hear these complaints about kingdom hearts two people people love kingdom hearts two uh you know kingdom hearts chain of memories you know <laughs> that that might be a lost cause but kingdom hearts one is like that's vital stuff man that's like the it's the first game so like you gotta play that and if if that's going to be a stumbling block for people, like maybe it's time to do a remake. Like if you look at the trends of games that are getting remade these days, PS2 games are coming up now. I mean, they're I mean, they're pretty old. You know, let's be real. Kingdom Hearts two came out, or Kingdom Hearts one came out in two thousand two. That was a long time ago. It's fifteen years. So it might be time for a remake. And if you make that remake 
effectively a big like ripoff of Kingdom Hearts 3 in terms of assets and like gameplay stuff great like that's that's awesome like you spent all this time polishing up Kingdom Hearts 3 uh, why not get more bang for your buck out of those assets that you you put together that's what the Yakuza team does like they are in my opinion the masters of reuse they have so many Yakuza games like I, I want you guys to go do a Google search, uh, look for Yakuza, uh, Google Yakuza series, and then uh, open up the Wikipedia page and look at the release lineup of Yakuza of the Yakuza series from 2005 until today. There are so many Yakuza games, and most of them are reusing stuff. Uh, particularly when you're looking at like Yakuza three and onward, that's where you're going to see a ton of reuse. Uh, even in like they even had a zombie game for god's sakes and they they managed to to create some situation you know where you know there's like a a music video shoot and they're gonna put zombies in it so they got to reuse the zombies and the zombie animations of their zombie attacks all in that sort of scenario of you know we're making it we're shooting a, a music video in yakuza zero and you know we want zombies in it so like in my opinion, like Sega and the Yakuza team, they're so good at reuse. I wish Kingdom Hearts would would do that more. Uh, I mean, t- to be fair, they do. <laughs> they have been. They like if you look at the PS2 quality games, the reason why we've had that for so long is because they got to reuse character models. So that's that, I get that. But like, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to remake Kingdom Hearts One, guys. What do you think? Let me know. Tweet tweet us at KH Union. Do you want? A Kingdom Hearts three remake, uh, built from the the skeleton of Kingdom Hearts three. Let me know. Our next question comes from Tommy Lamar, and Tommy asks, "Who's nobody was she on? Was it Kyrie?" So uh, there is an answer for this. So if if you guys don't know, or if you guys want a refresher, Shion is technically not really a nobody. What Shion is, is a replica, created by Vexen, a replica of Sora. Similar to how Roxas is a no, so Roxas is a nobody, which is effectively, he's kind of like a double for Sora. Uh, But uh, basically, they were worried that they couldn't control Roxas. So the deal was, they thought, well, Vexen can make replicas. Vexen, why don't you make us a Sora? Maybe, Maybe he'll be easier to control. So he does. But the the creation he made uh, didn't really like it didn't really take to having a personality quite yet, and it was basically created from Sora's uh, Sora's memories at the time. Uh, and Sora's apparently Sora's strongest memories were of Kyrie. So as time went on, as Tor- as Sora started to remember more things in Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories, Shion started to take more form. She started to look like Kairi, because that was his strongest memory, uh, as he was remembering things in the tank. So she started to look like Kairi, but if you look into other characters and how they see Shion, for example, Syax, uh, 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 Syax doesn't see her as a human at all. She just sees the same lifeless puppet that there always is and is wondering, like, why do you guys care about this thing so much? 
And uh, Zigbar, when when Zigbar looks at Xion, he sees Vin. So uh, Xion is this weird existing thing that is just a amalgamation of Sora's memories uh, and for the main characters, most strongly the memories of Kairi, and that's why she looks like Kairi. But later in the game, as Sora starts remembering more things and starts recognizing uh, who he is and all the connections that he has, Xion starts to look like Sora because that's who she's a replica of. She's Sora. She's not Kairi. So uh, she's not Kyrie. She's not a nobody. She's a replica, uh, just like Riku replica, which, by the way, we might be seeing in Kingdom Hearts 3 because we saw him in Dream Drop Distance, maybe. <laughs> that seems what what we saw in uh, the P- Pinocchio level. was That was probably Riku replica, and uh, yeah, we might see him in the next game. Moving on, our last question is from John Fritch, and John asks... Or John has a big old uh, email for us. So um, so this is something I've been wondering about, but have not personally researched. Are there any Kingdom Hearts games where the characters' lips have been animated to sync with both the Japanese and English voices? The English syncs have been excellent, in my opinion. A, a little sloppy in the first game, but even that had some great highs. Kingdom Hearts 2 had everything consistently good. Now, I haven't paid close attention to the lips of the characters in any Japanese scenes I have come across, except for Recom. So, do both languages usually have their own separate lip animations? Or uh, or are distinct lip syncs the standard for high-profile Japanese games coming to the West? And uh, uh, finally, he says, uh, the English dub in Recom uh, is a little distracting, So I would feel bad for the Japanese audience if every other game they had to deal with English syncs and a Japanese dub, but I don't even know what the case has been either way and what it means in relation to how long the animation process takes. So uh, so yeah, let's, let's unpack this a little bit. So uh, are there any games where uh, characters' lips have been animated to sync with both the Japanese and English voices? Yes. Kingdom Hearts 1, Kingdom Hearts 2, Birth by Sleep, Dream Drop Distance, all uh, all those like higher quality games, they all have those. Uh, so the Japanese version has a Japanese dub and a Japanese lip sync. That's the first one created. The English versions have an English dub and an English lip sync. and uh, But obviously both are not contained necessarily on the same disc because uh, they, don't, they don't have the same sync. Except maybe like the new... Like final mixes or the old or Kingdom Hearts two final mix that might have had both because they had the Japanese the Japanese audio as well for the theater mode I don't know it was weird anyway so uh, yes they do do that sometimes so uh, next next question uh, so do both languages usually have their own separate lip animations uh, depends on the game uh, basically what you'll find is the higher budget the game, the more likely it is to have uh, lip sync. So an example of a game that does, you know, like like you said, Kingdom Hearts 1, Kingdom Hearts 2, Birth by Sleep, Dream Drop Distance. Example of a game that doesn't, or some games that don't, uh, Recom, 
that didn't that was uh, a pack-in game originally and then they uh then went on to sell it in america for like 30 bucks so that's not gonna be enough to afford the animation for that uh so yeah recom didn't uh three five eight over two doesn't uh i think that also extends to the movie version of three five eight over two um i don't know about recoded i haven't watched that yet so uh yeah recoded may or may not check your recoded (laughs) for more information uh or, or just see it on youtube um uh, back cover does. Back cover's got English lip sync. And obviously in the Japanese version, Japanese lip sync. Uh, and uh, the next question is, are distinct lip syncs the standard for high-profile Japanese games coming to the West? Depends on what you mean by high-profile. I would say the large majority of Japanese games that come to the West do not. Now, uh that, in, that 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 that's encompassing all Japanese games that come. A lot of Japanese games come to the West. Most of them don't have lip sync for uh, for English voices. Uh, for really high budget games, like I'm talking AAA Japanese games, you know, we're talking like modern Metal Gear games, or you know, Final Fantasy 15. You know, modern Final Fantasy games, not like 10. Final Fantasy X did not. I don't. I can't remember if twelve did. Um, but yeah. So m- the more modern it is, and the more high budget it is, the more likely it's gonna have English lip sync. Uh, Persona Five did not have English lip sync, not at all. Um, but you know that could also be considered not the not as high budget as some of these other games. So. Um, it's not that common for Japanese games in general, but if it's like an exceptionally high budget title, like a Kingdom Hearts or a Final Fantasy, or you know, I guess uh, Resident Evil. Yeah, I guess Resident Evil as well. But I think Resident Evil, I think Resident Evil isn't that just English. I don't know. I'm not too familiar with the Resident Evil series, but yeah, that's that's generally how how that goes. Um, now, uh, just just a quick. Uh, discussion because at some point you asked or you mentioned that you don't even know what the case has been either way and what it means in relation to how long the animation process takes. So um, in terms of how uh, these games get recorded, um, they're they're obviously going to be recorded in Japanese first in most cases, but not always the case. So in most games, it's Japanese first recording. Occasionally, uh, it'll be English English first recording. An example of that was Metal Gear Solid Five, uh, the Phantom Pain. I, I guess Ground Zeroes. I don't know about Ground Zeroes, but with with the Phantom Pain, this was the case that uh, the English voices were recorded first. That's because they weren't just voices that they recorded. There were there was actually a full performance capture, motion capture, and face uh, of these of these characters. So, you know, if you're getting uh, Key for Sutherland. To play snake you know you're gonna get them to play snake you know you're not gonna you're not gonna waste your time with the japanese cast because you know as famous as they are they're not key for sutherland so uh in the case of uh ground uh phantom pain uh you know metal gear solid 5 uh that, that was like the first one where they did english first um um 
Yeah, and I think like uh, there's also Silent Hill. Silent Hill Two was uh, English first. I think also English only. Even the Japanese release uses the English voices because uh, the way they had it set up is they wanted it to be set in the West. I don't know if it's America or Canada. <laughs> Sorry, like I I don't play the Silent Hill series. I I know little about it, but I do know that it's uh, primarily English or only English. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong, but that's my understanding of it. So most of the times it's Japanese first or, you know, in some cases Japanese only, uh, like with Yakuza, Japanese only. It's great, great for Japanese study, by the way. Not, not really. Don't speak like a Yakuza, but it's good for me because I can discern what's Yakuza speak and what's normal speak. So, uh, so yeah, so yeah, basically, uh, So yeah, after after Japanese voices are recorded, they record the English voices, and then at that point, once the English voices are already recorded, that's when they can decide, are they going to animate the lips for the English cast or not? Uh, so that's an additional cost on top of that. Obviously, you got to send it back to the animation staff after the fact, uh, and uh, at least my understanding of it is that that's handled by the by the animation team as in like the animation team back in japan uh and like yeah so yeah that's and that's handled by the animation team as in like the one in japan it's actually kind of funny because uh in kingdom hearts 2 you can uh, i think actually pretty much all the kingdom hearts games it's kind of bad uh you can tell you know if you know what to look for you can tell that the Kingdom Hearts Japanese team is animating the voices for English as well. And it's because the way they form their mouth shapes is as if they're speaking katakana. Like katakana as in like which is a you know Japanese character system that they use for foreign words. So for example, uh when uh Diz in Kingdom Hearts 2 is sort of laughing at Riku, uh, who's disguised as Ansem, says that he's Ansem. Uh, Diz is like, oh, so so you are Ansem. But uh, the way he mouths the line is Ansemu. Ansemu. It's not Ansem, where the mouth would close. There's an extra syllable there, a mu. There's like a oo sound that you can see in his lips. And the reason for that is, the uh, in Japanese they're they don't have an alphabet so much. They have a syllabary, which means they have what we would call a consonant and a vowel sound together as one character. Uh, there's only one exception to that. They do have one character that is the basically for us would be the letter N, like N. So anything that ends in like an N that'll have that'll just that word will just terminate and not have like a, a preceding vowel sound but something like ansem which is an m sound uh they can't just terminate that it's an ansem so you know if if you're working really fast and you're other under budget constraints and you don't have the time to polish these animations you know extra vowel mouth shapes get through so uh look for things like 
you know, if you want to see like funny Japanese uh, mouth animations, anything with an er sound, Japanese people can't say er. They always say ah. As an English teacher, it it's so annoying, but it's just it's just how it is. They don't have er. They don't have that at all. Uh, anything r l r sounds l sounds uh, s s sounds uh, specifically anything where they say c. Uh, Japanese people have a tough time saying C versus she because in their uh, syllabary, they don't have the sound C. Uh, it's she. So, like, uh, for example, they have uh, for K sounds, they have like ka, ki, ku, ke, ko. But for S sounds, they have sa, shi, su, se, so. So they have sa, si, they don't have, they don't have C, basically. So, sa, shi, su, se, so. So, a lot of times they'll just, you know, you'll see things like that. Uh, anything with a T, they might be actually putting in tsu. So, there's there's a lot of little things that you can look for um, that, you know, you'll, you might pick up on. But, yeah, basically, because of that, you know, you're dealing with, you know, uh, Japanese recording then they got a trans you know then they're also probably simultaneously translating the script then they send it ship it out to america that gets recorded over the japanese lines then they ship back that so they can build like the final build of the game and if they have time then they get uh their japanese animation staff to reanimate the lips for english so as you can imagine that's not an insignificant thing to do so that's why it's usually reserved for bigger budget games. So uh, that that's going to be our show for today. Our music for this episode, speaking of Xion, is a cover of Vector to the Heavens. This cover is called Two Ways, Vector to the Heavens, Kingdom Hearts cover, Electronic. Uh, so this is by Arctic Empire on YouTube. Our next episode is scheduled for the 10th of October. And uh, yeah, as always, you guys can subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on the iTunes store. Just search for Kingdom Hearts and we're number one. And of course, you can catch every episode at KingdomHeartsUnion.com or Kingdom Hearts Ultimania's Twitter, which is at KH Ultimania. And remember, you can support us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. And send us your questions to KHUQuestions at gmail.com. Alright guys, so... Uh, next episode, hopefully we'll uh, get to get our co-hosts back. I miss them so much. It's been a while. And uh, yeah, I, I want to be doing some analysis of Kingdom Hearts back cover and Kingdom Hearts key. And maybe we'll talk about Unicross. Maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. So far, no one has said, yes, spoil everything. I, I was kind of hoping that people would, because that would give us more to talk about on the show, of course. But, uh, yeah, we'll see uh, how things go with that. We might end up having to, if the news drought goes as it is. By the way, TGS, so sad. <laughs> so nothing. Oh, man, that's crazy. So, uh, yeah, that's been our show for today. Uh, tune in uh, October 10th, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get into the big stuff. The big analysis stuff. So yeah, I'm Brandon saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production. <laughs>